Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready for some fantasy hockey streaming advice, it's time for the most styling, profiling, wheeling and dealing, jet flying, limousine riding podcast in all the land. It's the reigning, defending, undisputed fantasy hockey streaming champion of the world. It's the stream Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to a very special edition of the Stream Scheme where we actually will be talking about some superstar names you might not otherwise hear on this show. But first, we got to mention we are presented by the greatest fancy hockey podcast in the world, Keeping Carlson, and often referred to the toughest league in the world, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patreon Fantasy League, aka the Cupful. But yeah, the boys are back as myself, Mason, and PJ take a trip down memory lane and go over our preseason top 10 lists where we each gave out our top 10 left wingers, right wingers, centers, defenders, and goaltenders before the season started so we'll check in on those to see where we went right where we went wrong what we can expect from those players going forward and what we can learn about those picks for next year's draft as well if you are here looking for my weekly streamer picks i actually gave those out as part of last week's show for the two-week all-star break matchup also just a reminder you can sign up for my patreon at patreon.com slash nhl stream scheme where for just one dollar a month you can get my picks emailed to you hours before the show airs each week everyone who signed up last week got a special write-up this morning on whether i'd still hold those picks that i gave out last week and also gave out couple of bonus picks as well so a huge thank you to everyone who signed up through to patreon but enough about me on to the show enjoy the boys are back uh they need no introduction let's kick it over to mason was here first let's go to you how's it going uh how do you feel about all of your uh preseason predictions your mid-season predictions how's your team's overall doing how you feeling? How do you like the extra matchups? And just how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. I um, I'm pretty happy with my start of season rankings. My strategy is pretty much like don't <laughs> pick any busts, and for the most part, I succeeded in that. Unfortunately, I didn't pick a lot of the players that I liked on my team, so my teams aren't doing as well. PJ has now beaten me twice in Cupful, which is uh, pretty sad because without those two losses where he put up the high score uh on the week uh, my team would be doing a lot better but um last week my teams went six and oh um for the first time this year so i'm pretty pumped about that uh it's a nice way to head into the all-star break nice and pj let's kick it over to you how's it feel to be beaten up on mason apparently in the kickoffful yeah how's your team's doing how's it going how about them Oilers? We're down there in the front row, taking all this stuff in. And uh, yeah, how's it going? Hey, yeah, thanks. Uh, good to be back. Uh, it's been a you know 
pretty crazy season so far, I think, uh, which we talked a little bit about at our, uh, you know, mid-season uh, buy low, sell high kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like uh, my my teams are doing okay. Uh, actually, my couple teams, probably my weakest of the teams, but I have been, uh, you know, lucky to squeeze out a win against Mason. I think both times we had some of the highest scores in the, like, division um, but, uh, he, he unfortunately keeps having like crazy fantasy point numbers, but losing to a team that's either top or second from the top score. Um, but actually that's funny, Mason, you said you had went, uh, all six last week, last week was my second time this year that I went, uh, won all of my head to head, uh, leagues as well. So that was uh, 10, 10 wins last week for me. So I also feel like pretty good going into the all-star break here. Um, yeah, in, doing pretty good. I don't think I've been able to say that all season, unfortunately, Uh, but I'm always a second half performer looking forward to the second half. Of course, looking forward to the extra matchups. I'm always about them. That'll always benefit me. Um, Last year with the COVID year with only like 12 matchups in the regular season, absolute nightmare. The only reason I'm not in tier one, an absolute blasphemy of a season shouldn't have never happen, but I digress. Let's get in to the picks as you guys know. And as everyone knows, the listeners at home, they know here at the stream scheme, we got to hold ourselves accountable over everything. So we're going to roll through those preseason top 10 positional lists. And we're also going to slightly look at those uh, mid season buy low, sell high, uh, not so intently look at those, but at least kind of glance over them, see how they're doing, see how they're trending, things like that. But we're mainly going to get into those preseason lists and see, you know, how the highlights, the lowlights, uh, maybe what we learned from it and uh, maybe where do you think we went wrong in the process and, you know, how we can take that going forward and maybe um, how it projects for the rest of the season as well. So let's get into it. Let's look at the centers, which were uh, preseason, pretty straightforward. Everyone knew the guys at the top. Uh, and for the most part, the guys at the top that we had in preseason are kind of the guys at the top as they are right now. Uh, with some minor changes, some people were a little bit higher on some things. Other people were a little bit lower on others. Uh, let's start with you, Mason. Uh, how do you feel about uh, your centers, maybe some of your highlights, your lowlights, uh, and anything that you might think might change going forward for the rest of the season or that uh, you were just plain old wrong about? Yeah, I mean, I guess starting with the top four, we all know who those are, McDavid, Matthews, uh, McKinnon, and Dreisaitl. Those, uh, they've, they've all been fantastic. Uh, you pretty much couldn't have gone wrong with uh, picking any of those guys. And um, yeah, you've, if you picked first and took McDavid, you're happy. If you were fourth and got whichever of the leftovers uh, came to you, you're all good. So um yeah, I have I have no problems with uh, any of that. And then after that, I had Barkoff and Crosby, who um, each missed a decent amount of time this year, but um, so far they're averaging in the top ten, so um, that's looking great as well. Um, 
Zibanej Jad is who I had next. And um, over the season, he's only pacing for 85 points. Um, I was just talking with Dave about <laughs> how over the last like month and a half, he's been pacing for like 120, which is uh, I traded him <laughs> right at about that time. <laughs> so that doesn't feel great. I got a good return, so I'm not worried about it. But uh, he's been absolutely crushing it lately. So I'm pretty pleased having him inside the top 10 as well. Um, he's currently sitting at uh, seventh or eighth, I think. So um, he's right there. Um, next at eighth, I had Shifley. Um, this is my big whiff of the center group. Uh, obviously, Shifley has not been very good. Um, his average ranks is like in the 30s right now. Um, so that's, yeah, doesn't <laughs> doesn't look great. Um, he has been missing a lot of guys like Wheeler and Ehlers for a while, but um, come on, Shifley, you got, you got to be better. Um, Dave had it, or PJ had him too, I know. So um, that was a whiff on both of our parts. Um, and then my last two, nine and 10, I had Ajo and Tavares, and they're currently each sitting right outside the top 10. Um, I think Ajo's actually in the top 10, depending on who you consider to be a center. But um, yeah, overall, I think the list looks really good. Um, me and PJ <laughs> had the exact same list. So, um, with a couple, you know, spot up or down here, but the same 10 players and, um, overall, I think we did a great job. <laughs> it's not too hard to pick, you know, the best players in the league to be the best players in the league. Um, but yeah, aside from that whiff on Shifley and things seem to be working out pretty well. PJ, how about you? How do you feel about your centers? And uh, how do you feel about them maybe going forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I think, like Mason said, the the center group for me is probably the easier one to predict because, you know, a lot of the stars that come into the NHL, they, they played center their whole career. They come in as centers. So we're just looking at some of those top guys in the NHL in general. Um, yeah, there's some exceptions in there too, but – you know, McDavid and Dry, I had them one and two myself, you know, pretty like pretty similar four that Mason said for the top four, just in any order. Um, the one thing I like about those guys going forward, you know, they've played less games than a lot of these other guys. They still have a lot of games in hand. So, you know, but like Mason said, if I had third pick, fourth pick, you know, even with, uh, you know, McKinnon being out a little bit, he's still, you know, averaging for fourth overall for centermen. So, you know, when he's in your lineup, you're happy. But, you know, it's hard to predict those injuries and stuff like that. There's unfortunate situations. I agree. Barkov's Crosby, since he's come back, you know, he started a little slow. So I actually am pretty excited about having Crosby on a couple teams because he's, you know, continued to get better as the season's gone on, got more into form. And I, I think he'll, you know, be able to stick with uh, kind of where my projection was. I think he's averaging just outside of the top 10 or technically inside the top 10 for me because some of those guys have center eligibility who've more so been playing wings but um yeah he's he's definitely a top 10 guy um yeah then i had zabanja the same spot as mason uh aho and shifley switch so aho next for me shifley as well my my whiff out of these centermen but you know going nine for ten out of the centers for for top 10 i'm pretty happy with that and and you know i'm fortunate to have a couple of those guys on my teams. I got lucky and got dry in uh, two different leagues. So I'm pretty happy to have dry settle right now. And uh, I actually have Crosby in one of those leagues with dry settle as well. So I was able to get two of my top 10 centers on the same team, which, you know, pretty nice. And uh, 
For myself, yeah, we all had the same pretty much top six. I had Ajo seventh. I like that. He's 12th right now um, in centers, and I still pretty much would like him better than like Zabanejad, for example, going forward the rest of the season, um, even though Zabanejad had a little bit of a hot run. Stamkos is doing better than guys like Zabanejad. I had him eighth and stuff like that, although obviously he's a little bit more valuable as uh, the right winger. And as Mason points out, he's mostly right wing. Sagan, uh, by far my biggest bust of the centers. Pretty big bust overall. Uh, there's someone else who probably takes the cake with that, though, later on. But, uh, yeah, that was my big big whiff. But at least I didn't have Shifley, so I kind of evens out with the rest of these guys. <laughs> and Zabinajad uh, uh, pretty much is about 12th uh, or 10th overall. And uh, – I think that's pretty good value and where he is right now in comparison to uh, where he's going forward as well. So I like my list other than uh, Sagan, <laughs> big swing and a miss there, but uh, we all had. I do have a one. question for you for, and I know we'll probably talk about him later because I've got him in a, in another list, uh, but Sagan's actually started to, finally start putting up some numbers lately and i'm curious what you guys think going forward like is he going to be a guy that's going to be a bit more valuable or not you know i'm not super excited about that whole dallas lineup they seem to be you know throwing those lines in a blender a bit switching around where's ben playing where's sagan playing you know robertson's really the guy that you you want to have out of that top six on your lineup and the rest are kind of you know in and out they've got guys like Gurianov coming in playing on wings and stuff so it's a weird top six to me um Sagan's been starting to put up some numbers you know I was I actually had him in one league you know after drafted him as well dropped him and then picked him back up off uh, free agency just recently and and got a couple points out of him but uh, just curious what your guys thoughts on on him going forward <laughs> okay um yeah I am not into Sagan um just the top line is where you want to be and he's not on it. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not, not into it. I would rather have Pavelski. Um, and then obviously would rather have Vincent Robertson. And um, I don't know Sagan might get a little bit better still as the season goes on, but uh, he had a few multi-point games against me last week. Thanks PJ. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, some of them were when they were missing some guys from their top six. So I think he was getting more ice time and stuff. And um, yeah, I think, I think he'll be okay moving forward, but uh, I guess I'll just say I'd much rather have Shifley. Well, yeah. I, mean, I was, I was just curious. I was just curious what your, uh, your opinions would be. Cause I I'm with you. I'm not super excited about him either. I picked him up cause he started getting hot. I just looked it up and in kick couple scoring over the last 14 days, he was averaging uh, 6.2 fantasy points a game. So pretty good ranking 75th overall for all of the NHL and you know that's some pretty good numbers but like you said Mason it's like a two-week window he's put up a couple multiple point games I was fortunate to get those from him against you um but uh yeah he's he's one that I'll like watch but I like I just like I said I've dropped him once already and no one else picked him up so I was able to actually get him back off uh off free agency yeah like it's better he's now he's at least Sagan is getting uh, power play time, um, which he wasn't before. So if you did, if you were someone who's been hanging on to him uh, this whole time, or at least just through his recent kind of resurgence, 
uh, you at least have that little positive trending in that direction for you. But yeah, the main thing is like what Mason said, if he's not on that top line, uh, then he's not worth, I think, rostering all the time. Uh, he's a good streamer, I think. Um, the only problem is that he'll never be in streamer territory since he always has that name recognition. As long as he's doing like the bare minimum, like once every four games, uh, you know, he'll pop off for like a goal and five shots or something like that. And that'll always entice someone to like pick him up off the wire. So, uh, Mason, go ahead. Do you think he's rosterable always? You're saying? Yeah, I think basically as long, I don't know. I, th- I think he's rosterable because he does get top power play time. He shoots quite a bit. And uh, that's that's basically it. Like he's rosterable and could cut full if it was a smaller league. Um, then yeah, definitely a streamer. I don't think I would. And just because he's rosterable doesn't mean he should be rostered all the time. <laughs> but at least whoa, he's not whoa, now because earlier whoa, this whoa. year he wasn't rosterable. <laughs> you can't say he's rosterable. Everyone on the in the league is rosterable. That's what rosterable means. Yeah, technically yeah, you some can. People aren't going to get you anything ever. <laughs> Technically, you can pick up Yamar Yager, I think, right now from the waiver wire. I mean, he's roster a bull, but what we're saying is, should he be on your team? You're saying yes, I say no. And I've got him on two teams right now, so uh, I definitely guess I got him rosterable at this point. I, I traded for him in the Rostered. league, and, <laughs> and I will be holding him all year because I'm not going to win that league, and I'm just going to hang on and see what happens. Start with you, Mason. So out of the top four, you were the only one who didn't have uh, Dr. Dry, number two. Uh, you had Mac and Matthews, and Matthews has definitely performed. Uh, and uh, Mac obviously had uh, an injury, but uh, is fourth overall in average points for centers right now. Uh, do you still stand behind uh, your top four the way that you had it? And uh, maybe not necessarily, obviously, I don't think it worked out up until this point, but do you still think that that holds the rest of the season and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, Edmonton has obviously been struggling a lot lately. Like if you looked at the last, I don't know, month, month and a half, I'm sure McKinnon and Matthews would be ahead of Dreisaitl in points per game. But yeah, I don't know. It's just Edmonton uh, is scoring again, and Dreisaitl is scoring a lot. Um, a lot of the things PJ said at the start of the year are happening, and now that they've picked up Kane and um, are looking healthy again, uh, they're yeah, they're I think they're a deep enough team, and he gets all the <laughs> all the ice time. We'll see if the coach can hang on till they're till the end of the year, just playing McDavid and Dreisaitl all the time, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I still have him in the same tier as those other guys. I don't think he's, like, a solid, like, he's ahead of them, number two. But, um, yeah, I mean, you guys were obviously right to put him at second. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a quite a good chance he stays there the rest of the year. All right. And uh, I guess, yeah, let's just uh, let's see if there, go around. And uh, any other closing thoughts or any other players, uh, particular center forward uh majority playing center uh players that you uh want to talk about or just kind of highlight and stuff like that pj let's go to you first yeah just looking at some of these 
guys that we didn't have on our list and some that weren't even, you know, honorable mentions, but we, we have actually talked about a few of them uh, on the buy low sell high, but uh, a guy I was saying, you know, um, sell high on that seems to not want to listen to me and keep from me wrong is Kadri. And now with even McKinnon injury, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out with that. I, I believe he got diagnosed with a concussion from that uh, hit with Hall. Uh, which I'll go on the record saying I don't think it was a, a dirty hit. I think it was just an unfortunate stick in the way of a clean hit that kind of cracked him in the, the face as he was trying to move his own stick over. Um, but yeah, Kadri just keeps performing even when McKinn's there. And now that he's gone, he might even just get more ice time. So uh, I might've been wrong on saying, you know, sell high. I, I still think I would be looking to try and sell high if I had him on a roster anywhere, which I unfortunately don't. Um, just because I think you could probably get a decent return because he just keeps performing. Um, so he's an interesting one. And I also, uh, you know, I think we, I, tr- I was trying to go through some of our old, um, you know, the original preseason ones. And I think Pavelski was a guy that I mentioned as like an honorable mention, but was like, I'm not even sure if I should be mentioning him as an honorable mention. And everyone like you guys were uh, kind of in agreement with me of like, now like this guy he's nothing he's too old and he yeah i trashed that take (laughs) yeah he has just now gone on to to he won although i would say like pavelski's not necessarily playing center uh as much so i I don't know that it should really be in that center's list but he has that center's eligibility and and he has played there a bit this season on and off depending so um that's another guy that just like you know i'm glad i at least brought him up on the honorable mentions and and hopefully it at least got some people looking at him because he's definitely seemed to uh outperform what even my expectations were and and definitely a lot of other people's yeah mason same questions to you yeah i there's one guy i'm gonna shout out uh that we didn't even have as an honorable mention and it seems like there's a number of players that just like a few years in a row have had really high expectations get drafted pretty high and then they just don't do it year after year and then eventually it's like okay fine we're gonna bump these guys down like outside the top 100 maybe and then they absolutely go off so we'll see a few of those guys a little bit later but uh, the one i'll mention right now is dylan larkin who uh, i don't think has really gotten any airtime this year on any podcast i've been listening to at least and he's sitting at seventh overall for centers if you're just looking at guys that actually play center um yeah which is just wild like i don't know what his uh (laughs) what his adp was this year but it was very late um because of yeah a couple seasons of just kind of middling performance and um with raymond and cider and bertuzzi there this year he's just been absolutely on fire so uh way to go dylan larkin yum 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 I know Dave's a big fan of Dylan Larkin because I think like two years ago, probably when Dave and I, like pre, pre-pandemic, when Dave and I were first starting to get to know each other a bit more, I think we were doing the like Patriot rankings on Facebook still when we were back on that. And you and I were like, how is Dylan Larkin not even in, mentioned yet? And like, we were so late in the draft of both of us were like, let's just oh, yeah. let him, let him slide, let him go later so that no one yeah. knows about him. Let's, let's pick him up. We were... <laughs> uh, which is the exact opposite of what we're doing on these sort of podcasts now of completely telling everyone where I take him. So I've always been a big fan of his, but I agree, Mason, like he had some average seasons the past couple seasons. And if anyone got him where they got him this year, I'm sure like, you know, pretty late con- considering, and he's definitely been performing well. 
Uh, I tried trading for him in one league, but uh, got shut down. So, unfortunately, don't have him on any of my rosters right now. That was probably the height of, like, my fantasy hockey shenanigans was when I was, like, conspiring with other patrons to, like, vote or not vote for certain people just because, like, I was high on them and, like, wanted to beat them (laughs) and draft. But now... You know, we're part of the pod, so no, you take, whenever you make, whenever you cross that line, you take that vow that, <laughs> that you, well, we will give the best information to you. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a huge Dylan Larkin fan. I've, I've drafted him like so many years and like the one year that I pretty much didn't get any shares of him, he explodes again and uh, been waiting for that like the last <laughs> two years. So a little disappointing. I pulled up, I, I pulled up his uh, Kakuffle ADP, and it was one seventeen, and someone got him as late as one fifty second. Yeah. So uh, yeah, even if you were the first person to draft him at eighty uh, sixth, which would have looked like a decent reach by a couple of rounds, you'd be very happy with that. Yeah, he's so been... essentially anyone who drafted Dylan Larkin this year, Kakuffle, way to go congrats to you and whether it was 86 or 150 something you're you're laughing because he's outperformed any of those draft positions but yeah that uh that top line in Detroit's certainly been been a treat all year long and uh it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see when Verona comes back exactly how it all shakes out that was uh that was one of my big uh big bold bets in uh, the buy low sell highs was that uh, Raymond was going to fall off uh, as Verona comes back here. And uh, so far, even before uh, Verona coming back, he has started to fall off. So we'll see about that. But uh, I think one thing that I really kind of learned from the centers and looking back at it, I can't figure out why I kind of thought that centers wasn't that deep like I thought like you should like spend like at least like a first or a second round pick on a center and I can't for the death of me (laughs) remember why I thought that because I think it's uh at least compared to like right wing and uh left wing it's by far the deepest position I don't know why I thought uh like left wing was so deep we'll get into that and stuff like that but yeah very peculiar the, the last guy that I forgot to mention, Dave, that I've been pretty pleased about that I got myself in a couple leagues pretty late, uh, including a couple, was uh, Kopitar. And that's a guy who, like, I feel has just, like, overperformed. He's always been a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, this is no slight on past seasons. I feel like he's one of those guys who always ends up getting drafted probably a bit later than where he should, um, even in past seasons. But this season, he's just, you know, he's – proved that he can still keep playing even you know at his age and and even on like you know an LA team he's definitely been one of the people that have you know players on that team that's brought them up and made them talk like a talking point so um, he's been an interesting guy for sure and and you know I'm not sure what I see him going rest of season um, but he's been pretty exciting pretty good to have so far and I've actually watched a few LA games lately which is a team I don't always uh, follow that much 
Um, and he's been actually pretty fun to watch on the ice too. He's, he's playing, you know, with some good guys and it's, it's neat to see some of these young guys coming up and playing with some of the, the older vets on that team as well. You know, you've got your Dowdies, you've got your Kopitars, um, but you've got these young guys coming up and playing with them too. You must have a West coast bias because I hate watching the Kings play. I think they are boring as poop. Uh, Mason, what say you, I guess, how do you feel about the Kings <laughs> or I guess Kopitar and your Kings take, if you agree with me and well, uh, I guess I any other thoughts on centers? I have not watched any Kings games this year, so I can't help this uh, argument either way, but uh, yeah, Kopitar has been great. Um, Arvidsson's been out a decent amount, but he's, he's been pretty good when he's been playing too. So um, yeah, hopefully those two keep building up chemistry and Kopitar can keep getting assists on his goals. Sweet, sweet. So that wraps it up for centers. Pretty nothing too exciting there. Let's hit it over to the right wingers here. Uh, let's kick it. I think we had Mason start last time. We'll have uh, PJ start this time on your right wingers. Let's hear some of your highlights. Let's hear some of your lowlights and uh, just some of your uh, high arcing thoughts on your right winger preseason rankings there, PJ. Yeah, so this was a this was a ranking coming into the season that I was like pretty excited about. I thought right wings, I I was feeling pretty good about them, and it's probably one of the ones that I'm the least excited about now. Like a few of them have definitely hit well, but a, a was that of them, one of the four you know, positional pools that you won on Twitter? I think it was. Yeah, I think or, it might have or, been. <laughs> or was it? A, I, I I think you at least won three. yeah i I think i won three maybe yeah um but like you know we've got guys like kucherov you know we all had him first but uh, unfortunately some injuries there but you know when he's been in the lineup he's been averaging i think he's first for right wings averaging but you know just hasn't played enough to you're still not upset to have him when he's in but you'd be pretty bummed about the amount of games you've missed from him uh, the big one for me, and I know Dave, you and I have talked about him, and we all had him second as well. But Pasternak, uh, I I drafted him in a couple of leagues, and it's just been painful. It's it's nice to finally start seeing him turning it on a little bit now here, but uh, that was one that uh, for sure hurt for a while at the beginning of the season. Um, it just felt like Boston had brutal schedules as well, so you just couldn't rely on your like top pick or like, you know, first or second round kind of pick guy to, to bring you through. So like I got him at, I forget if he was like ninth or 10th in, in my one draft. And I was like, really excited. I was like, Oh, that's a sweet spot to have pasta fall to me. And, and unfortunately it had just didn't kick out, but he's definitely turning around. Um, Rantanen was my next one. You know, he's been doing Rantanen things. So pretty happy about that. Uh, Patrick Kane was the one that I had like said coming in the season. I was like, I got to rank him here, even though I don't like doing it. And, you know, he's a bit lower, but he's still been performing fairly well. Um, you know, he's probably in that top 10 kind of range still at this point. Um, Mitch Marner, man, that guy's just been going unreal. I think he's, I think I read a stat the other day that he has like 18 points in his last seven games or something like that, or something crazy some sort of numbers so his recency has definitely even boosted him more but uh you know i felt a few of the players on toronto kind of started maybe a bit slower than what we predicted them like i'm even talking like taveras you know matthews that sort of thing Uh, and then they all started to get going and, and they've just kept bringing it up 
Uh, Stamkos, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that one still. Uh, I still feel like legit that he could be considered a right wing. He's played both center and right wing throughout the season. Um, and, you know, with some of those injuries on the team, it's been shuffling around a bit more. But uh, Stamkos, like, I'm, I'm happy to have him in any league I have him because he's been playing unreal, kind of just doing the Stamkos things that I've known and loved for years. So pretty happy about that. Uh, Sagan, that's my my swing and a miss, as we've already talked about in centers. You know, he's definitely not uh, doing what I had hoped for. Stone is another one that I thought would be, you know, doing a little bit better. But, uh, you know, I I still have hopes that I think Stone's going to start producing more. And it'll be interesting to see if Eichel comes back, what they're going to do with those top six. Still not sure. I know we talked about it in our, you know, buy low, sell high about where he slots in so there's a lot of questions up in the air and, and just making sure who's going to stay healthy and who's playing with who but there's some potential to have a pretty strong second half of the season I think from him uh Ehlers you know I still love Nikolai Ehlers uh unfortunately he's been out for a bit and you know not quite in that top 10 though even averaging when he's been on the ice so that was a bit out of the you know the top 10 I think he's kind of ranging in the mid 20s for right wingers um so that one just a little bit unfortunate and then the big the big swing and a miss so far for this one is Besser I thought he would be doing a little bit more you know we've we've seen some some rough Vancouver situations lately you know the the team's been able to put some wins together in those stretches after they got the new coach you know um but it just hasn't fully clicked for that lineup although there have been some flashes of uh you know kind of the players we thought they would be coming in now with uh, you know Pedersen starting to put up some more points and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see where it goes I did have him as a as a buy low when we chatted about the buy low sell high that I don't think has really panned out he's kind of just stayed doing what he was doing at this point he hasn't really jumped up so um, yeah for the top 10 you know I'm pretty happy with a few of them like I said still there's some guys that have definitely underperformed but I'm not actually too upset with you know, a few of these guys going rest of season. Like I said, Stone could, you know, boost up. Stamkos is doing great. Kane, who knows, with uh, Chicago there, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. Uh, not with Kane, but just with other players that are playing around them, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the run through of the right wingers. Not my favorite line uh, of my predictions from this one, but there are still a few guys there. and I can't be too too choked about a bunch of them injuries and stuff happen yeah and i and i remember uh pretty much all the pasta managers can thank us uh for pasta's resurgence because we didn't we didn't have to resort to this but we did threaten to you know start the idea of forming an anti-pasta club we didn't want to have to do it but uh you know the idea floated was floated out there and word got back to him he started and that's when he started to get it going so uh yeah good to find I, i'm starting to not not regret that pick as much uh for sure he's starting to as long as you can keep it keep it going um because you know he had kind of he got hot on that whole line for a bit and now he's kind of back to the perfection line a little bit so i don't care whose line he's on as long as he is putting up the points uh but yeah mason 
Uh, let's kick it over to you. Let's hear about your list. Let's hear some some highlights, some lowlights, and uh, any other thoughts. Yeah, overall, um, I feel pretty good about my right wing list too. Me and TJ had the same first six, so <laughs> I won't go uh, over that too much. Kucherov, Pasta, Rantanen, Kane, Marner, Stamkos, um, they're they're all elite. I would still have them as my top six, um, but I would probably bump Kane down a couple spots below Stamkos. Um, then after that, I had uh, Mark Stone. Obviously, that hasn't been working out very well, but I agree with PJ that like with Pacioretty, hopefully being healthy the rest of the way, and then either uh, Stevenson or Eichel, like he should put up a lot of points. I'm not too worried about it. He started the season, I think he went like four games without a shot, which was very frustrating. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty confident he'll be good the rest of the way. Um, I also had Besser. All three of us had Besser. So <laughs> we were all wrong about that. And I would drop Besser way out of my top 10. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine rest of the year, but nowhere close to <laughs> top 10 material, in my opinion. Um, I would feel better about uh, Shifley, my whiff from the centers, um, a lot better about Shifley than Besser rest of the year. Um, then at ninth, I had Reinhardt. I was the only one with Reinhardt, and uh, he was killing me at the start of the year. I was so frustrated. I was like, this is the worst pick ever because um, he got moved down to the, thir the third line um, after a few pointless games on the first and just wasn't doing well for a while. But um, I looked recently, and over his last uh, 20 games, he's been on a 117-point pace. So <laughs> uh, he's been absolutely dominating the last little while, and that's with mostly being on the third line, um, which is, again, kind of frustrating because that means they probably won't bump him up to the first line um, or the second line. But um, I think... It never ends. Yeah, I don't... Never ends. <laughs> if he, I, I might be trying to sell him um, at this uh, top 10 position that he currently has 10th um, because if he stays the third line, like I don't care <laughs> how well Lundell and uh, Marchment are playing there. No, no Barkoff or Hubert Owen. Um, yeah. If he's, if he's not with one of them, I can't see him finishing top 10. Um, despite you don't think Marchment's right just going to get six points every game going forward? <laughs> Oh man, that was, that was just wild. I actually traded for Reinhardt, um, and he's had six points uh, in the two games since. So pretty happy with it. But uh, I'm no, going. I I'm going against uh, Lundell. I'm going against Lundell. Too late. Too late. I was hovering over picking up Marchment on Monday. And then was like, oh, no, he only plays two games. Like, this would be ridiculous to pick him up. And then, of course, he gets six points. Um, anyway, moving off the Panthers, uh, I feel good about Reinhardt. I feel good that I had him in my top ten, but I'd be concerned about him being on the third line rest of the way. Uh, and then tenth, I had a rest who has been absolutely dominating um, since he came back from injury and uh, I don't think he'll quite keep up what he's doing, but that line on Pittsburgh um, with Crosby, Gensel and Rust is just as good as, or even better than it has been the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy. I think he'll be top 10. Uh, well, maybe not finish in the top 10, but I would still put him there if I was making this list again. I love that was just like a barrage of compliments. And then you're like, eh, he might not even be top 10. 
<laughs> like just slide that. Well, you might. I'm like I said. I'm. I don't like betting against the field. Like right now, we have like <laughs> Meyer number one, who like none of us had in any top ten list. So those guys come oh, out of the... nowhere. But if I were predicting rest of the year, I'd still keep them there. For my uh, right wingers here, I was uh, slightly higher on Kane than everyone else, but we're all kind of in the same boat there. And then uh, we talked about Stone and Besser. I was highest on uh, Rust, so uh, I was highest on that whole kind of top line, I think. So happy to see that uh, at least know some stuff about uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, not their their goalies or their uh, streamers, apparently, but uh, <laughs> some stuff I can at least get right every once in a while. Um, and I don't think uh, – yeah, so we talked about Besser. I don't think anyone else had uh, Matty Chuck uh, anywhere in their rankings. And uh, to me, I think he's having a pretty good season. I guess the Flames in general are uh, performing pretty pretty darn good. Uh, we'll probably maybe talk about another guy here coming up um, that I really wish I had gotten kind of in a similar vein of uh, Dylan Larkin. But, excuse me, I can't just draft the, uh, the same people my favorite people over and over again if they're just gonna not perform which uh those guys weren't but uh now they are and uh the the rest of the flames are eating although maddie to chuck uh, it doesn't really matter who's doing good on the flames that dude just always is <laughs> good no matter what it feels like uh wheeler was a uh, big old bust uh but he's also been dealing with like injuries and stuff like that but i think it's safe to say uh even injuries aside uh wheeler's pretty much kind of a bust i think it's safe to say that he's kind of uh, i don't know let me hear what you guys think Do you guys think it's safe to say that wheeler is uh kind of over the over the hill and uh kind of is at this point kind of uh just replacement level almost going forward or slightly more how do you guys feel about uh wheeler let's go to uh pj first yeah i think I think I talked about it a bit in our preseason one, just saying that, you know, I wasn't going to be comfortable putting Wheeler in that top 10 range, or I, I don't even know if I had him as a honorable mention, but that was a little tough for me because he was a guy that I'd been a fan of. I'd owned in like, or had him on my team in, in past years. And uh, I think we're seeing, you know, a bit of decline, like, you know, but it could also explain part of the reason why guys like Shifley are just, you know, they haven't had the same team around them in that top six that they normally could have been playing with. Um, but it's also clear that he's not driving the line himself as much as he had in his, you know, younger years. So uh, I think he, I think we're starting to see a little bit of decline. I think he's still a good player, but he's not in that, you know, top 10 conversation for me going forward. Mason, how do you feel about Wheeler? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he's in the top 10 conversation, but um, I, like he's definitely someone you'd be fine having on your team. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about comparing him to Sagan and um, I'd rather have Wheeler just because um, he's guaranteed to get that top power play time and guaranteed to play in the top six where you've got Shifley, Connor, Cop, uh, Dubois, Ehlers. Like he's going to have good players on his line um, barring some more injuries um and so i would i would be happier with that he's definitely over the hill but um yeah i i picked him up on waivers in the league this year and i'm pretty happy with that other than the injury um 
he was pretty good leading up to the injury. And then um, I'm giving him a few games to uh, <laughs> to shake off the rust and kind of shake off some of this uh, injury. Um, yeah, so I'm not worried about it uh, too much that he's gotten a couple games without a point here coming back from that. Sounds good. And uh, let's just go around the horn. Any other uh, final thoughts on uh, right wingers? Any any other players you want to talk about or highlight? I'll start off with you, Peach. Yeah, I think uh, I think we definitely mentioned them earlier. Guys like Meyer, stuff like that, that we uh, didn't have on our list. I can't remember. I think somebody, I can't remember who, but I think somebody mentioned them in the honorable mentions or, or maybe I'm mistaken on that. But, uh, you know, he's, got, he's just been playing well. And I think San Jose in general has been playing a little bit better than what I anticipated they would be doing. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be like bad, bad, but they've been playing a lot better hockey and, and putting up some wins. And, and some of those guys have been performing well. We've seen, you know, some other players that we might mention later on that have, you know, started having a little bit of a resurgence in, in their playing as well. So um, Meyer was definitely a guy that uh, if you got him, uh, you're pretty happy with where he's, you know, putting up those points, but it's also not a super surprising one because Meyer's always been kind of one of those guys when, when he's on, he's like really, really good. We just have been waiting to see him do that for like a whole season. Um, and, you know, he's had past seasons where he's been like great, but now he's like, he's just really putting it on. It'll be interesting to see where he finishes at the end of this year, but uh, he's a guy that I'd be pretty happy if I had him on my team right now. Definitely. And uh, Mason, any uh, final thoughts on any kind of right winger? Not really. Meyer, Meyer's the one I was going to talk about, um, obviously has been great. And yeah, it's just the same as Dylan Larkin. Like you have the same couple ADP um, two years of just being below average and a disappointment, same kind of mold in terms of like shooting a lot, getting good deployment, just not really being able to do anything with it. And then um, maybe some low percentages and then, people kind of give up <laughs> you get them late in the draft and then they just absolutely do what you were hoping for the last two years so <laughs> uh, fantasy can be frustrating in that way sometimes but um way to go Timo Meyer yeah I know I was uh I was definitely I was high on him and uh I, I don't know if I had him at as an honorable mention or not but I definitely like going into the drafts I wanted to draft him didn't get him anywhere so I am very sad <laughs> it's just like hey, what are you gonna do you can't can't draft every guy you like kind of thing so that'll that'll happen every season but yeah so that's it for right wingers let's head on over to the left wingers where we were um completely all the same up through our top five we all had uh ov1 Marshawn two panarin three brady t4 and the brinket five yeah and so from there i will uh, as i kind of alluded to um talking about brian rust earlier for the right wingers i was highest on gensel here for the left wingers um which worked out and after that patches obviously we'll talk about we'll kind of mentioned for stone uh hopefully he'll come back from injury here huberto um everyone else was correct uh, a little bit more so on huberto although if you do look at his average um, I was correct about Huberto. So Huberto, um, third in points, 10th in average points. So he, as I kind of talked about it, the only reason I was a little bit lower than not completely that low, he was 
I still had him eighth overall, but a little bit lower than these other guys who had him sixth overall was just because that I felt that he had to get that point total to make his points worth it. He doesn't shoot a ton. He doesn't get perifs and things like that, but so far he has. And so he's about around, I think more closer to where I had him eighth than where uh, it's sixth overall uh, Ehlers. We kind of talked about um, it is what it is there. And then probably my best pick perhaps in all of them uh, in all of my positions, but Kaprizov at 10th overall, Obviously, um, he kind of exploded for um, breakout season. And someone who I posed out on Twitter, I said, um, hey, is this guy a first rounder next year? And um, I believe that uh, we got like 70, 70% of people, I think, uh, lean to yes. Um, so we'll see. And the, the main reason I thought that was uh, there was reports that he had I think he got to 100 points in like 92 games, something uh, pretty awesome like that, which was, I think, like fourth fastest ever, something like that. I could be getting all these wrong. Uh, who knows? But yeah, it was a crazy stat. And I was like, all right, he's here. He doesn't have to worry about contracts and stuff anymore. He's only going to get better. And so, yeah, I just love him. Uh, but yeah, let's kick it over to uh, Mason. How you feel about your left wingers list and all that jazz? Um, pretty great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ovechkin, Marshan, Panarin, Brady Kachuk, like you said, we all have, um, they're all top 20. So like nobody's fallen that far. And like, I think there's room for improvement for the guys that are a little bit lower too. Um, Dabrinkit, uh, has been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but I mean, 13th overall, um, you've got here on the season like that's still like you're not you're not too upset with that um when you're when you're drafting a guy uh you know in the second or third round um that's not too bad huberdo's leaving the nhl in points no problems there um patches obviously has been uh rough this year because he's missed time but when he's been playing he's been uh yeah top five i think so um yeah, fantastic. Gensel's been fantastic. Uh, Landeskog's been fantastic. They've all been inside the top 10. And then um, Svechnikov, uh, you know, he's 17th uh, in total points. I think it's actually higher than that since there are a few guys that aren't actually left wing. So, uh, yeah, for putting someone in at 10th and having them come like 15th or whatever, uh, I have no problem there. I'm, I kind of subscribe to the philosophy of like you – um, you're much more likely to uh, lose your draft uh, in the first few rounds than you are to win it. So you just got to be careful to avoid those busts. And um, none of these top 10 are a bust. So <laughs> uh, I'm fine with that. If you want to call like <laughs> Svechnikov or Dabrinkit a bust, I, I think it's pretty early to do that. And uh, clearly they're still close to the top 10. Brady T is, while not Brady Tchuk, he's not a bust, but he's like in terms of expectations i'd say worse than pasta because you're i, I like how you just kindly slid in there that like oh yeah nine of these guys are low, <laughs> lower than 20th well he's 22nd in overall points and 19th and uh <laughs> left winger 
average points. And I don't understand exactly. Uh, maybe one of you guys can explain to me. I don't know exactly what's going wrong with him because the, the reason why we had him so high, we each had him fourth overall and left wingers above guys like the Brinkett, Huberto, Gensel. We had him above all these guys. And the reason was because he was supposed to have such a high floor. And I, I don't know. It just hasn't existed. So, like, I don't know. Do you get, either of you guys have a good answer as to – I I think he – I don't want to say he's a bust, but he's a very <laughs> – busty right now he's very busty <laughs> um yeah like I, th- I think that's a decent point um i think batherson and norris who are like his star line mates missing is definitely hurting but like if if you look at his uh, stat lines recently like this past week he had a game with 12 shots and a game with nine shots and then a bunch of hits to go along with those two um I, I don't know. Like if I, if I was picking another top 10, he'd definitely be in it still. Uh, maybe a few spots lower, um, definitely a few spots lower, but he would still be in it. And um, he's missed a bit of time himself as well. So I don't know. I, I think he'll be good the rest of the year. He's, uh, he's putting up more points than he has in, in the last couple of years. So hasn't taken quite the step that we wanted him to, but, I think if he had Batherson and Norris all year, there's a very good chance he would have taken the step that we wanted him to uh, when we all ranked him at the same spot, uh, top five. I uh, I think part of it is Ottawa's had a really rough go so far this season. They had like, like almost a month or whatever, like without playing a game. Like it's hard to get in a rhythm. Now he's lost a whole bunch of, like like you were mentioning, he's lost Norris and Batherson for like this past week. And uh um, you know, there's just been some weird things. He is actually like averaging his like fancy points per game are slightly up from last year. Uh, you know, he's still hitting lots. He's still shooting lots. He's still a guy I'm like quite excited about. And I'm hoping like he can somehow get it put together with like, you know, that Ottawa team for the rest going forward. Um, I think it's actually a matter of other players are outperforming maybe where I predicted them. Cause Brady Kachuk's kind of doing what I expected him to do when I look at shots per game and hits per game and, you know, still putting up points. So like he's still doing it, but it it just seems like some other guys are actually putting together even better seasons that kind of drops them down the ranking. I wouldn't be like upset taking, uh, you know, Brady where I took him. There's definitely some other guys that have jumped ahead of him, but I'm not saying he's a bust yet. And if anything, I'm hoping, you know, for like next season, he might actually drop down the, you know, the, the rankings a bit. If this is what we see the rest of the season, the guy's only, you know, coming into his prime still, he's going to keep getting better. So he's a guy that even, you know, next year, I'd still probably be looking at in my, my top 10 for, for left wingers. And a guy I'm still excited about uh, just this year, it hasn't fully, like he hasn't taken that big step forward. He's kind of sticking with what he was doing last year, maybe a couple more points here or there. Um, but he still is putting up like, big shots, you know, tons of hits. He's got 132 shots and 130 hits already through 37 games. Like it's pretty good. Sounds like you guys are a little bit more optimistic on him than myself, but uh, I guess we'll see. Hopefully I, I, I have him, uh, have him in at least one league and I've got a couple of his teammates as well. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you can uh, pick it up here a little bit, at least in terms of the points column. Uh, but Let's uh, kick it over to Peach. 
uh, let's hear uh, your kind of highlights, lowlights, uh, all that jazz from your uh, your left wingers here. Yeah, so this was another list that Mason and I basically had the same list with like a couple swapped positions, but I think it's all the same same guys. So I went through with Ovechkin, Marshawn, Panarin, Brady T, like you guys did. Uh, oh, and Debrinket, and then had Huberdeau in the same spot as Mason. Uh, I went Gensel next with that one, and then Patches, which was just the opposite of Mason. And then I had Svechnikov over Landeskog, which was the opposite of Mason. Um, and I would agree with Mason's uh, projection of Landeskog over Svechnikov now going for this year. Um, but, uh, you know, the Gensel over Patches, although I think Patches, if he's stays healthy he's going to have a really strong end of the season he's his averaging has been you know really great he's averaging third overall for left wingers so you know he's outperforming really what we expected and um yeah he's a guy that like we were talking about he might actually lift up some of those other guys around him so vegas is a interesting top six with so many question marks but you know there might be some some interesting pieces there maybe some trade targets but for myself and um, you know, it's just uh, kind of an interesting lineup, but also there's a bunch of question marks. So you might actually be able to, to pull some of these guys off somebody if they're more worried about, you know, uh, Eichel coming in and stealing a spot or whatever. So it's, uh, it's an interesting team going forward, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my left wings as well. I, I don't feel like there was any of these guys that I would be disappointed taking. Obviously there was some injury issues and, and that always hurts, but I don't think we can really predict for that when we're drafting. So pretty, pretty happy with my left wing selection overall. Ooh, and uh, let's see here. Any other uh, names or any other left wingers that you particularly uh, want to highlight here? Yeah, I'll uh, give a shout out to Jonathan Goudreau, who uh, is currently pacing for 106 points. This is like the exact same as uh, Myron Larkin again, where like he put up. 100 points the next two seasons everyone's like oh Goudreau's gonna be amazing he was like first round one year and then put up yeah like 65 point pace then everyone's like oh maybe he can bounce back this year and then again he puts up like a 65 point pace and everyone drops him way down their boards now he's pacing for 106 points um but so I guess way to go Calgary and Goudreau to be able to do that under uh Daryl Sutter is uh, is pretty good, and that whole team's looking really good. They're putting up like 45 shots per game. So, <laughs> um, yeah, good good for him. I traded him uh, in a deal for Brady Kachuk earlier this year, which hasn't been working out so well. So hopefully Goudreau falls off a little bit uh, to make me feel better about that one. Yeah, definitely. Love that contract year play, eh, Mason? I know you're yeah. a big fan of the contract year. <laughs> <laughs> those extra points yeah work that right and the extra points that he gets counts for all the contractor people you better believe it like it all goes into the pot and his shooting percentage is like is five percent lower than it was last year and he's still has like twice as many points how is this possible the only thing's missing is uh i wish he was i wish geo was still there uh, it's not the same, not the same without him. Cause I can't, can't, can't get like, it, it kind of feels like this season, they're kind of getting the band back together, like saying, Oh, come on, we can be good again. Let's go. But, uh, without Gio, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't quite feel 
like the old crew completely. But um, yeah, that's true. Uh, also, how's he doing this in 18 and a half minutes of ice time? Like when he had his hundred point season a few years ago, he had like two more minutes per night. So um, that's a really low ice time number compared to mostly other guys uh, putting up these numbers. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Uh, how about you, Peach? Uh, any other names uh, you want to toss out here for left wingers? Yeah, I think the main one, which is a guy that I was actually pretty fortunate to get in a in a few leagues, because I had him kind of just outside of my top 10 in a lot of my rankings. Um, I don't remember if you made it as an honorable mention uh, for me or not, but he probably should have been if he wasn't. Uh, but Jason Robertson has been a guy that uh, I was pretty fortunate. I picked him up in, I think, three of my redraft leagues this year. And uh, he's been doing pretty well. He's like the one guy on Dallas that I would be like really excited to have. And, and the rest of them are, you know, kind of compliments on, on him of, you know, rosterable or rostered. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jason Robertson's definitely a guy I'm excited to have on my teams and, and has been doing pretty well. Yeah, Mason, did you want to touch on uh, Philip Forsberg here, Clamor? Uh Sure, yeah. He's He's been... Uh extremely good um i don't really know what changed for nashville from last year to this year but all of their players are playing way better and um yeah forsberg is just scoring like every single night so uh i think forsberg is i think forsberg is just it must be a contract year right i think he's just gotta be as long as he's available like for him it's just like can he stay healthy really i don't think what was he last? Wasn't he a point per game last year or pretty close to it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's above a point per game, but the thing for me is he's pacing for 60 goals um, <laughs> this year, which is just unbelievable. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a slight regression there. Uh, but we'll he is see. also in a contract year, Mason. Yeah. Uh, I told you. I don't know how I didn't draft more of these people when I was so adamant about this. I uh, <laughs> Like I was hammering it home and I didn't, I didn't, I don't have any of them or I might have some off to check. That's a good, that's a good thing to bring up. But uh, so yeah, that's the left wingers. Let's move on to the, to the good stuff. The starting to get into it, the defenders. Um, and let's, let's, uh, let's start this off with PJ. Uh, let's hear about uh, your defensive top 10 list. I know you had, um, at least one pretty good call to hear about maybe some of those other highlights and lowlights and whatnots. Yeah. So um, I had a, a couple here that I'm pretty happy with. And there have been uh, probably my biggest of uh, biggest bus for any projections for anything uh, this year is also in this list. So um, I started off, I, I said, number one, Carlson, uh, which ha- definitely hasn't worked out to be that way. It's not like he's, been terrible but he's you know sitting just outside the top 10 right now so definitely not worthy of that probably first overall spot but uh i think i did also mention when we were talking about it mike i was kind of between him and yossi for my first overall and, and yossi is the one that i think uh dave was mentioning that was my good call i i i was pretty high on him i i've been super high on yossi for quite a while and and i probably you know in my gut should have put him first because i have to admit there was a few drafts this year and both Carlson and Yossi were sitting there for me and I picked Yossi. So he was the guy who I ended up picking over Carlson. Um, and I actually got him in a couple, couple leagues, even though, even when we were talking on it 
core. I, I didn't think I'd own him anywhere because I thought he'd go too fast, but I actually got him in the third round in one league, and uh, I was super happy to, to get Yossi in the third round. Um, next, I had Makar, who you guys both had first, and Makar has been averaging uh, the best so far, so definitely a good pick on your guys' behalf. Uh, I'm definitely not upset having him in my top three there either because uh, Yossi's you know, ahead of him so far far for for total points but uh, not averaging so we'll see where it ends up finishing off um then i had hamilton uh which you know that hasn't worked out uh, i did have them you know a bit lower than the mason but uh dave you were the smart one i think right now leaving him off the top 10 list i think that was a pretty good call but i'll let you talk to him a little bit more later um, you know, he's not doing terrible by any means. He's still averaging in the top 10 for defensemen. He just hasn't been in the lineup, uh, which really hurts. So I'm still, you know, not upset with having him in my top 10 for sure. Um, Hedman, he's kind of playing right where I put him. He's averaging fifth overall. Um, he's actually ranked even higher uh, right now in total. So pretty happy with having Hedman up there. Uh, I think I had him. Oh, no, Dave, you had him even higher. Um, but pretty happy with that one. Adam Fox. Fox has been, you know, playing like Fox does, sitting right there. Uh, same spot as me. He's sixth overall right now in ranking and averages slightly higher. So same spot I had him. Uh, Nurse, you know, that's maybe the Euler bias there a little bit. He hasn't been quite doing that well. But like Mason alluded to earlier, Edmonton did also have like this crazy hot start and then they went you know colder than ice like they went colder than Edmonton throughout December and, and January it was just really rough uh, to watch as a fan I have to admit I lost a bit of money betting on those guys throughout there thinking they're going to break this losing streak at some point uh, but I'm still pretty confident that I think Nurse has a chance to finish in the top 10 still at this point, especially if, uh, you know, Edmonton can start putting some more wins together like they have been just recently. Um, he plays a ton of minutes. Like he's, he's playing so much to the point where actually Edmonton fans are criticizing that he was on the ice too long in their over, overtime loss the other day um, and got a little bit gassed, but you know, the guy just plays so much and he's in every situation for him. Second power play, top penalty kill, even strength, top pairing. Chikrin, you know, he's uh, definitely been one of those busts that uh, I think all of us had in our lineup. Yeah, Dave and I both had him eighth and, and Mason had him a little higher at six, but right around the same spot. And he's been uh, he's been a bust. We saw pretty early on he, he lost that power play, like almost like right away. And it just, you know, nothing was put together. And even his peripherals just haven't seemed to be kind of where they were before. Uh, then that brings me to my biggest, biggest bust, the, the, the roughest of the rough from all of these picks, uh, going with Jeff Petrie, who's just been unrosterable. Like he's, he's on free agency in most of my leagues at this point. So, uh, you know, uh, that also brings us back to the, the bets that, uh, you know, I, I bet Mason on, on one here that, uh, Petrie would finish, uh, higher than Jones, um, which that definitely is not going to be the case. I don't even think uh, he's just, he's just terrible. Montreal in general. I didn't, I didn't expect them to be good, but I didn't think they would be this bad. That team's just, it's super unfortunate, really a bummer that Price has had to be out this long, just a, a tough overall team. Um, just can't really put anything together. Um, you know, my, my Oilers put up a pretty big 
points against them the other day. And, and that brings me to my 10th, which was uh, Tyson Berry. Um, yeah, also not doing as well as I think any of us talk about. I know he's not on your list, Mason, but uh, I think you even said he was kind of in that honorable mention right around there for you. Um, but he just hasn't really been doing it. And it's kind of what we talked about a bit where I remember I was even debating if I would put him in my top 10 or not. And I think I just bumped him in there because he was the oiler. Um, but if he's not performing on that power play, uh, it's not going to happen. And, and like we talked about in the buy low, sell high, it seems like Nuge took away a lot of his assists. Just they're running the structure of that power play a bit different and he's losing them. And yeah, he was the like top uh, points for defensemen last year, not, not a couple, but just like actual points. Um, but a ton of those were secondary assists and he's just not getting those again. So, uh, we've seen his point totally doesn't have the same peripherals as some of these other guys to, to keep him in contention. So I guess I, in conclusion for that one, like I'm pretty happy with the start of my D list. And then my last three were just not, not great. Chikrin, Petrie and Barry, all didn't really like perform to what I thought, but uh, pretty happy with Carlson, Yossi, McCarr, Hamilton, Hedman, Fox, and Nurse. Not all of them are in the top 10 right now, but I think all of them have, I wouldn't be disappointed to have any of those guys on my team at this point. Yeah. And uh, myself having Hamilton outside of my top 10 wasn't so much me set as like a bold statement. I didn't necessarily think I was just more saying it that, I knew I wasn't going to get him essentially in any draft like and and yeah I didn't come close to like even think about drafting him in any uh, any of my drafts before he was taken so I think just uh and yeah like he'll probably eventually wind up closer to where his uh average is you know top 10 maybe closer to towards that 10 but yeah I felt I did feel that like that was probably like his ceiling and stuff like that and uh, yeah, we'll get into some of these other guys, but uh, I'll give uh, Mason the opportunity to uh, speak on his guys because I know he his list was a little bit a little bit different than ours. Uh, so Mason, how do you feel about uh, some of your hits and misses here on defense? Yeah, I feel pretty pretty good again. Um, yeah, my goal for these is to basically try to avoid busts and some of these guys I'm putting in not necessarily because I think they'll finish top 10 but because they won't finish very far outside the top 10 so that's why I like those peripheral guys um, I did have McCarr first which um, obviously is looking great Avalanche are just scoring at will with or without McKinnon or Rantanen or Landeskog they just make it work so um, yeah he's dominating uh, glad to get him in cupful uh, Hamilton at second, I guess that looks a little high. That ninth average, though, is still pretty solid being inside the top 10. And he was picking it up before he got injured, too. I think there was some adjustment with switching teams. And like Jack Hughes, for example, was not putting up points at the start of the year and then has been point per game over um, the last while. So I'm kind of hopeful that once ha Hamilton comes back, um, he'll be able to I mean, he'll probably, there'll probably be some more adjustment. He's still on a new team. He's coming off of an injury, but 
Um, I would I would make a bet that he'll be top ten rest of the year once he's back. Uh, if you want to take that, Dave. Uh, <laughs> um, and then yeah, Carlson. I should have had Yossi above Carlson. It's kind of surprising that Carlson has uh, been so bad, considering well, not so bad, but <laughs> considering what Ovechkin and Kuznetsov are doing, you'd think he'd get some more points. Um, and then yeah, Yossi's been great. Um, Seth Jones was kind of the contentious pick. Um, I did make that bet with PJ against uh, Jeff Petrie, but um, I think that that says a lot more about Jeff Petrie than it does about Seth Jones. Um, Jones has been kind of disappointing, and um, he's been out just outside the top ten, so it's not bad. But um, I would yeah, just like to point Kanan, out the other bets that were also involved with Seth Jones. It wasn't just me losing the Petrie Jones <laughs> bet. You butt guys both bet me. That he would be top eight, and he is clearly not there yet. Uh, but we'll oh, see. It's the long he still season, has time. DJ. He has, well, yeah. has time. Well, long season. But right now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm comfortable with keeping him as my honorable mention list, not inside the top ten. Uh, but All sorry, right. to All right. Mason. <laughs> A Marvel um, actor yeah. doesn't just show up on. No, just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But that's that's one of those where I, I did say there was room for him to fall outside the top 10 or to be one of the top few. And um, so far, he's been closer to the lower end of that. But still, um, I think if you if you drafted him at, at ADP in a couple, you'd be pretty happy um, with him being at 12th right now. Uh, Chikrin, PJ already talked about, I think. The the main thing is none of us saw Goss Despair, who was literally traded with draft picks to Arizona, <laughs> taking over the top power play and stealing all his points. Like if you took a lot of uh, Goss Despair's points and gave them to Chikrin, he'd be right up there. So um, yeah, not not a lot of any of us could do about that one. Um, Hedman and Fox uh, next, you guys had them each a bit higher, and um, I'd bump them up above. Jones and Chikrin, but I think I'd keep my top guys the same. Um, and then uh, Latang, I'm surprised I was the only one to have Latang, Dave. I thought you were all over the Penguins, but um, Latang has been freaking fantastic. Uh, and again, I don't really see Pittsburgh slowing down that much. Um, how I don't know how he was so good with Crosby and Malkin and Russ all missing so much time, but uh, there he is. And then um, yeah, Nurse averaging 11th as well. Um, so just one spot behind where I had him. I'm pretty happy with that, considering some random non-power play guys jumping up <laughs> ahead of him. He he fits the Truba and weaker kind of mold, though, of being like second power play, just playing a ton of minutes and picking up points on good teams. So um, yeah, it kind of makes sense that those guys are there. I didn't see Burns jumping <laughs> into the top 10 like he did, but um yeah, overall, pretty happy with the list. A couple guys just outside the top 10, and then Chikrin uh, being the notable bust so far. Um, I, I traded for him, and don't look now. He's on a two-game point streak and had five shots tonight, so he's pretty much back. Yeah, and uh, so I got – yeah, I'll start it off by saying uh, my defender list with – I did get Hedman – nailed that like I got him here in front of everyone and I got him in a couple leagues and he's been absolutely incredible and I love him and I'll follow that with saying that Tyson Berry may have been the worst pick um I'd say pretty comfortably the worst pick 
in this entire exercise uh, that we've pulled off. I put Tyson Berry as the third overall defender. And yeah, uh, Petri was bad, but uh, I don't know. I had him, Tyson Berry as the third overall. And I knew as soon as like, yeah, Mason had him 10th and, or no, PJ had him 10th. Mason had him off his list. I knew as soon as I heard that, that I was in trouble. And uh, yeah, I already had him like in a league and it was just bad news bears. But I'm thinking at this point, um, well, Edmonton actually has a very good schedule next week and actually a pretty good schedule the week after that as well. Um, so if you do have Tyson Berry on your roster, I'd probably, he did, he was, correct me if I'm wrong, he was the only defender who saw power play time uh, on Wednesday night, but albeit just for like 49 seconds. And I don't think it was the true unit, whatever. He was, I think the only defender who got power play time. And so maybe, yeah, he only got like 13 minutes of ice time, whatever. He's like a worse Keith Yandel somehow, but <laughs> you never know. I would hold him through a good schedule um, and then just uh, see what happens. And um, Chick- Chikrin or Barry rest of the season days. Chikrin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. One of them has the top power play in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, 13 minutes, and yeah, how how long are they going to continue, PJ? How long are they really going to continue to trot Barry out there, even on like a second unit or something like? It's ridiculous. I think they're going to though, Dave. Uh, they're going to probably keep them on the top power play for a while. They they were trying Bouchard there uh, while Barry was. Uh, injured and to to be honest that's a guy that i've been uh super high on and and would like to see take over that top power play he's just got a bit more of a shot which adds a like different element to that uh, power play unit look because with barry on there they're not always that concerned about barry taking like the big shot in there yes he will shoot and hope for a, a tip or a rebound or whatever that here and there but bouchard actually has like a really accurate wrister and a quite strong uh, as they refer to it as the boosh bomb uh, slap shot. So it just adds a, an extra look to that power play. But I think right now we're seeing Tippett a little bit hesitant to like really give Bouchard the reins. And what we'll probably see going forward for a little while is Bouchard playing in the top pairing with Nurse now and Barry playing the third pairing. Uh, but Barry will still get the, you know, the, the main share of the power play time unless something really changes and shakes it up. But, you know, he, came back from his injury and he basically just came and took over his top power play spot again. Um, and Bouchard moved back down to the second power play unit with, uh, with nurse. So um, that's what I see going forward there. I think we'll see, you know, if Edmonton can pull it together, I don't think they're necessarily as good as they were showing at the very beginning of the season, but I also don't think they were, they're as bad as what they were showing through December and January. We'll probably find that team somewhere in the middle there. And uh, you know, hopefully after this rough stretch, uh, you know, we can see some more points going back to Barry, but uh, like we chatted about too, he's not going to get as many points even on the power play because that whole power play unit has kind of changed their structure a bit this year. And um, they're moving the puck around a lot more and and we're seeing Nuge take a lot of those, those assists from them um, just because of the way that they're actually feeding the puck around with the team. And and you say like, hold them at least for these next couple of weeks while they got a good schedule. 
if I had him, I'd be holding him and, and hoping to see yeah him kind of come and research back on that uh, top power play unit. Uh, I guess the one guy we didn't even talk about on, you know, left wings is, you know, the addition of Evander Kane coming onto that team. He hasn't been playing on the power play yet, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to edit this out. I'm going to edit it all out. No Evander <laughs> Kane talk on here. <laughs> he, uh, he makes me so sad. Well, he's got I'm two just kidding. You can, goals you can, already and you three can talk plus um, but I'm more so I'm just curious to see what happens with that top power play because right now he's still not on it. Um, but you know, Kane's been put right in with McDavid on the top line. Um, and Edmonton's actually structured their team to now have three lines with their actual three centermen. So uh kind of working with pairs, looking at McDavid and Kane as a pair with Who right thunk it? Moto will set that <laughs> sticks. Yeah. Uh and then Drysidle uh playing, you know, with Pooley uh, and then they've kind of cycled in a couple different left wingers. It was first Fogel, then it was uh, um, Ryan McLeod last, this past game. And then the third line, they're running Nuge at center with Hyman. And then kind of they had Cassie in there for a bit. And then today it was, I think, Derek Ryan. Um, so they're kind of running those three pairs. So it's going to be interesting to see for, you know, um, time on ice as well. Uh, for all those guys, are they still going to run just McDavid and Drysdale like crazy? Or now that they actually have Nuge and Hyman, who have played really well together, I, I think the first game they had them all split up. Nuge and Hyman's line was the best line on the team that that day, like by far. So it'll be interesting to see. But they haven't had Barry in there with that, so we haven't really seen. And he comes off comes off injury, starts on the third pair, does have lower minutes, but still gets that top power play time. Um, you know, we'll see that that power play was super, super strong at the beginning of the season, but it also hasn't been nearly as good through December, January. And then even once they started actually starting to figure out some things again, um, it hasn't been nearly as strong as it was early season, which none of us predicted it would be like they were shooting above like 40 percent at like on their power play. Like that's not shooting, sorry, like success rate on their power play. Um, that's just out of this world, like good. So um, as it comes down, it'll be interesting to see. I'd hold Barry for sure for a little bit here um, and just see, especially with some good schedules coming up. Edmonton's behind in games on a lot of other teams, especially a lot of the teams in their division. So, um, you know, if you if you're looking at how many games are left, there's uh, there's more games for guys on like Edmonton, Ottawa, some of those guys that have there's um, some of those teams that have like six less games played than some of the other ones. Yeah, that's true, Mason. We gotta get a we gotta get PJ on just like a straight up Oilers podcast. Great, great insight. Always, always gotta gotta get that inside info. Uh, but um, so the rest of my list, pretty pretty par for the course. I uh, I did have uh, Yossi a little bit lower than everyone else, and I was talking about before in the chat. I was like, I I can't even remember why. Like at one point I had him out of my top 10 and I re- at least uh, rationalized getting him as high as seventh, but obviously even that was a little too low. And then I was the only one who was on uh, Ekblad. So I was glad I was able to at least uh, get uh, a good hit there that no one else had. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for uh, defenders. I guess either of you guys uh, go ahead and speak up if you want to, I guess, talk about any other defender that we haven't talked about so far. 
I think the only one that uh, I was listening back on on some of what we were saying, trying to really just figure out what those bets were, to be perfectly honest, but uh, listen to the end there. And one of my honorable mentions that uh, both of you guys poo-pooed was Brent Burns. Um, and I'm pretty happy that I did bring him up because uh, he's been doing all right. And uh, I got him super late. So the only reason I really want to bring him up is because I, I'm not sure where his ADP was in a couple, but uh, in a couple leagues, he was still sticking around so so much later than even I anticipated. And I think we did talk about it on the original one about D Dave, you were saying like, you'd be super happy to have him as like a second or third D like you wouldn't be looking for him to be your first D by any means. And where he went, I got him as like the third uh, in one league. I got him as my fourth D pick and I wasn't even like going high on D. And so clearly that's worked out well in that league for me. Um, unfortunately, I think I also took chicken on that team. So that, you know, kind of, evens it out but uh we'll see so anyways I just, that was just the one you know brent burns i think like we mentioned with timo meyer like san jose has been doing a little better than what i predicted and a lot of their players are uh pacing for more points than what i originally projected at the early season uh so it's nice to see it'll be interesting to see how they go the rest of the season um you know i don't know that i would say i see burns finishing in the top 10 but at the same time i wouldn't be shocked if he was because like we said, he, he, he does have some perips. He does like to shoot the puck. That's the main one. So, um, yeah, if he can keep putting up points and keeping the shots up, uh, be pretty confident that he could stay at least close to where he's situated right now, top 10 or just outside of top 10. Mace, how about you? Yeah. Uh, I'll just throw Erasmus Dahlin out there. Um, I think a lot of people were very low on him this year. Some people were still hopeful, but it's another guy that has just been bad the last few years and you knew Buffalo was going to be bad. So the question was like, can this guy who's been bad the last few years be good again on a terrible team? And uh, he's been pretty good. He's he's 17th overall um, for defenseman points and um, was drafted like 40 picks after Burns, um, which is kind of surprising to me because they've both been bad, but um, yeah, I think I think if you picked him, you'd be pretty happy. Just want to shout out Darlene, and he's redeemed a lot of his value, I think, moving forward and like keeper in dynasty uh, this year. Yeah, that's about uh, that's about it for defense. Let's move it on over to the juicy uh, rankings here, the goaltenders, and um, we all had uh, Vasilevsky uh, number one, uh, pretty. I think pretty much everyone who made any kind of goalie ranking this year obviously had him as the top dog. Uh, from there, we definitely uh, all jumped around more uh, this list than any other list. And Jason, um, let's hear about your goalie highlights, lowlights, and everything in between. Yeah, um, it's a little hard to like look at the like goalie rankings and compare them to ours because it just gets super messy. Like you can't really look by average because the whole point of drafting volume goalies is you want guys that'll start a lot, but then it like, then you have these goalies who missed some time, but not a lot of time. But if you're not sorted by average, they don't show up. So it's just like, it gets, it gets messy, but um, yeah, looking, looking at my list, I think you'd be pretty happy if you drafted Vasilevsky. We told you not to take him in the first round. I hope you didn't. If you got him, but got him late enough, you're probably pretty happy. Um, he's only fourth right now for goalies, but I, I actually uh, famously predicted he'd finish outside the top three goalies. 
um, but still had him ranked first. Um, you know what you're getting from him. You're very happy. Uh, Hellebuck has not been so good, but uh, his volume has uh, <laughs> has kept him inside the top 10, and I think it will keep him inside the top 10 the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I think, again, you're disappointed if you, <laughs> if you drafted Hellebuck uh, in the first round or first half of the second round, but if you were able to get him after that, like, you're probably fine with it because – Again, you just you know what you're getting. Goalies do this every once in a while, but um, you know you've got the security. You might even play like a back-to-back here and there. Um, just so much volume. Um, after that, I had Laner, who has <laughs> has been pretty frustrating. I managed to trade him for Demko in a league, and I'm very happy about that. Um, but yeah, he's kind of like nowhere near the top ten, and he did miss a few games. Um, but yeah, he seemed to be losing like some of his starts to uh, Brossois even. And um, I don't know. I think Vegas will be better the rest of the year. And I think Laner will be better the rest of the year. But um, he's he's the big disappointment from, uh, from my list, I think, so far, ranking him at third. Um, after that, we have Saros, who's currently first uh, in the NHL in goalie points by 40 points, which is like 15%. He's 15% ahead of anyone else. So if you got Saros, you are incredibly happy. Um, after that, I had Demko um, at five, and he's currently like eighth or something. Um, very close uh, to being top five. And um, yeah, very happy with that pick. Uh, next up, I had Markstrom, who's also been uh, really, really good this year. Uh I guess that was a hot take because you guys didn't have him in the top 10, but uh, he's currently sitting in there. I think he'll continue that the rest of the year. Um, Then Shesterkin, who uh, (laughs) has also been top 10. uh, He's actually third overall, um, despite missing a few games. So he would be uh, right behind Saros for me for, um, yeah, one of the best goalies to have rest of the season. They just face so many shots and he plays like every single game. That's not a back-to-back. Um, next, I had Kemper, which I'm pr- I'm pretty happy with. Uh, he got a lot of time without Frank Suze at the start and wasn't that good. And now that Frank Suze is back, he's been way better. Um, but I think, yeah, you have the the primary goalie, like at least a 1A on like uh, one of the top two teams in the league. So I think you're pretty happy with him. Um, Talbot has also been fantastic. He just posted a shutout against me in Kikupful, which is very annoying. Um, but that would move him up, uh, pretty close to the top 10 and he's missed some games as well. So, um, I think moving forward, uh, he would be top 10 for me still rest of the year. And, uh, this one is, uh, famously (laughs) more famous than my, uh, Vasilevsky prediction, but I put Carter Hart in my top 10. Um, He has not been top 10, but he, again, hasn't been that bad. I think he's sitting around like 15th, um, which is basically what I wanted. You you don't want to pick a goalie. um, I think like around 100 he went, maybe 120 in Kikupful. Um, 
Yeah, I think if you're picking at that spot, just go for the guys that are going to get the volume like we knew Hartwoods, and um, he's been very average so far and still around 15th. So hopefully the uh, Flyers are able to win more than one out of every 15 games, and uh, he can be decent the rest of the way. But without Couturier and some other guys, that would be hard to imagine. And um, if I was making this list again, I think he's the one guy that I would take out of my top 10. Yeah, kudos. I think I think this was uh, I think your goalie list was probably I think uh, the most impressive out of out of all of them. Yeah, Demko and Markstrom uh, was a great hit, and obviously Shesterkin. And um, yeah, I was disappointed I didn't get those guys. Uh, definitely, definitely should have listened uh, to you there on that one, as opposed to some of the guys I had listed here. But I'll let uh, PJ go ahead first and uh, talk about his uh top 10 goals yeah pj i thought you had demko did i get that wrong somehow i had demko as my honorable honorable mention and i was kind of like debating and we did talk about him a bit but i didn't have him in my top 10 so uh that was one that i'm regretting now but i did probably have him in my like 11th spot so uh, i'd agree i think mason had the the list for this one for sure he's hit a bunch there's a couple that we'll see going forward like Hart, like you were mentioning He's done definitely better than what I predicted. I'm a little bit worried about that team going forward though, because you know, with some of those injuries, it'll be they've already been doing a little bit rough and and I just don't see them really winning a whole bunch more with some of those losses. But uh but yeah, I had a couple on here that I'm pretty happy with. Uh you know, a couple had we done this a few weeks ago would even be better. But uh, uh you know, Vasilevsky, like we talked about, we all had him first. Hellebuck hasn't done as well so I had those same kind of two as Mason to start and then I had the swap I had Saros who was the guy I was actually the most high on when we were chatting but I agree I said with Mason I just couldn't put him above uh, Vasilevsky and Hellebuck just because of their track records and like guaranteed you know volume starts Um, although I did think Saros was going to be another one of those high volume starts and he's proven to to be that uh I'm a happy owner of Saros in a few leagues because I got him a little bit later. So I think the main takeaway that Mason was mentioning is we told you not to draft a goalie in the first round. Don't like, just don't do it. I, that's, and that's, I think something I still stand firm on. Um, I was able to get some guys later on that, you know, have done quite well for me. Um, Leonard, you know, I still think we'll see, you know, he's just outside of the top 10 at this point. If, he can put some stuff together and if that Vegas team does, you know, get Eichel and get going, we'll, we'll see that it's going to be a different team if they get them back. That's still a question mark of when, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how Vegas does. Um, Anderson, that was the one pick that, you know, early season, he was looking like a, you know, home run picking him this high. Uh, he's come falling back down to earth a little bit more, but I'm still pretty happy with uh with Craig Anderson, that is uh, not, or sorry, not Craig Anderson. Um, uh, although he has actually played uh, better this season than than I predicted, but uh, He's, his yeah, average so, uh, is uh, like Freddie Anderson. Uh, Craig Anderson's average, I think, was like, um, like thirteenth or fourteenth, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's played quite well for for you know who he is and on what team you know. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing his uh, bounce between every season, good season, bad season. Maybe he's just on a good, uh, good year for him, but uh, yeah, he's been doing a little better, but yeah. So sorry. uh, uh, Freddie Anderson, fifth overall, um, you know, he was 
playing above that at the beginning of the season, but he's dropped down a little bit. And I agree with Mason. It's it's tough with averages because, like we we're saying, you try and draft goalies for both volume and skill level. So when you just look at averages, it is a little bit harder to see. But you know, Anderson's averaging sixth overall, but sitting just outside of the top ten right now. Um, so still pretty happy with that. Kemper, um, you know, it's I thought he was going to be doing a little bit better. That team's just you know they're a wheelhouse but uh you know he, we can still see a lot of these guys shift as we've seen like goalie rankings kind of i feel like the mid-range where we're at now uh, every couple weeks you see a shift in this the standings for the goalies at this point um but still pretty good uh bennington that was uh that was a rough one i i had no right putting him in there at this point uh he's just been rough and i I think I even said when doing it, I, like that one hurt me the most because I just don't like Bennington. So why did I put him in the top ten? Um, so hopefully no one no one drafted him listening to me because he hasn't done too well. He's he's kind of lost that starter role. Verlamov I also thought was you know going to be doing a little bit better, but uh, that was another one that just kind of didn't hit too well. Uh, but Campbell, that was the one you guys gave me a hard time saying it was just Leaf bias, trying to get all the votes from all the Leaf fans or whatever. But uh, I've been pretty happy with with what he's been doing. He's, you know, sitting here at seventh overall in, in goalie rankings right now and averaging even higher. So uh, that was a pretty good one. Uh, I think one of my my hits on that. And Shesterkin, I wish I'd actually put him higher. I, I kind of like where Mason had him. I actually got him in our Cupful League, Mason. I was looking back. I got him uh, in the fifth round, like pretty pretty late for for my my first goalie, and I am not uh, unhappy with getting Shesterkin in the fifth round as my first goalie. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a big snipe. I was very disappointed when you took Shesterkin. <laughs> you sniped me a few times in the draft, but that one hurts for sure. Yeah, so uh, that was, you know, that rounds out my top 10. So I would say I'm I'm not disappointed with a lot of my list. There are a couple guys that I'm disappointed with and kind of wish I'd put that, uh, you know, Demko that we did talk about and I had him kind of just sitting outside. I just wasn't too sure about Vancouver, but he's clearly shown it didn't even matter when Vancouver was going through their rough patch. He was kind of the, the one shining piece on that team that kind of kept some fantasy value uh, all the way through. So wish he had you know gone on there but uh but yeah i'm pretty happy with most of my list i'd be pretty happy with getting some of these guys but like we said i it's just where the value is is where they kind of come down to so if i'm looking at it, it's just stirking in the fifth round great that's awesome I'm, I'm super happy with that i'm not looking at you know vasileski in the first round even if i had him ranked as my first overall yeah and uh yeah, like I wanted to get Shesterkin just because I was like, all right, like obviously I was like anti-Shesterkin, Mason's positive. Usually in these type of situations, Mason is the correct one in that. So I definitely had that strategy going forward. Like like PJ said, like he was happy to get him in the fifth round. For me, even if I had Shesterkin in my top five, I'm not drafting a goalie in the top like six, seven rounds. I'm just not doing it. I would much rather draft a – skaters and just save my hope you know get, get a couple of lottery tickets on some goalies uh later on and as long as i could hit on you know at least one of the three or four <laughs> goalies that i pick late as long as i get one of them that hits i'll be all right but um yeah for my goalies i was 
Um, way too high on Kemper. Uh, he hasn't certainly been a complete bust as kind of we talked about, but he's certainly been certainly been a little busty. That's for sure. And uh, I was the lowest on Hellebuck, which was uh, which I was happy about. I just had a just had a good hunch. I was just like, yeah, I just don't get it. The the Jets. Uh, I don't know. They're they're more offensive. I didn't didn't understand it. And yeah, again, yeah, he hasn't been terrible, but uh, certainly more in line with my projection than the others with second overall. Uh, Price obviously doesn't count in A, uh, so you cannot say that that was a bust. Anderson, uh, we talked about. He's uh, he's been pretty good altogether. Flurry has been surprisingly. Obviously, he hasn't been top 10 but he's in uh, upper teens so uh, obviously the season started out much worse uh, than it has been lately but he's coming around and I bet he's certainly trending towards uh, maybe that eighth overall goalie by the end of the season wouldn't put it past him Grubauer's been terrible it was a terrible pick I thought I guess you never really know for sure with expansion teams but I thought they were going to be so much better on defense and uh they've just been plumb bad i think maybe they've been a little bit better as of late like a little bit more scrap in them uh but yeah the opening to the season was just not good to the cracking goalies it didn't matter who you were <laughs> and so uh group they keep trotting out grubauer there so uh if you have them you know still not a terrible idea to hope that you know as the season goes on their defense gets a little better and hopefully he's not blowing up your stats as much and it is hard to find goalies that are going to get that lion's share of the starts at this point in the season so uh even though he's been a very (laughs) he has been a complete bust uh i i think we can safely say so far season long i wouldn't necessarily say that quite yet because i think it's it's not it's a it has a greater than zero percent chance of him not being completely terrible so we'll see and varlamov well yeah another guy uh, i think i would safely say at this point in my eyes uh we can say that he's fallen off i think um i don't think he's ever gonna you know have a better opportunity than he has now he's not even starting that much and he still can't put together uh some good starts and it's disappointing but it looks to be uh Sorokin's net uh for the most part at least uh I'd say like every two out of three is a pretty uh safe bet I think um but yeah uh let's go around the horn any uh final thoughts on the goaltenders there or any other goaltenders we haven't talked about yeah, I'll just uh, mention John Gibson, who's currently fifth overall yeah. for goalies, and he missed like three or four games to injury, so he could actually, like if he had played those games, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's ahead of Vasilevsky and Chari as well. Um, yeah, so he's been amazing. Uh, like Dave said, I uh, I don't really draft goalies um, in the mid-rounds either, unless I can get extreme value like uh, PJ's Chester can pick, but I ended up waiting until like pick 160 or something. And I grabbed Gibson and uh, he's been my rock Uh, way to go. John Gibson. This is uh, like the exact same situation of a bunch of good years. And then two just kind of disaster seasons for John Gibson, everyone gives up on him. And now he's back at like a 923 or something. And like, 
the Ducks are looking pretty good. And it's funny because their roster is like barely even changed. Like they have Zegris, but like, does he actually help Gibson defensively? I don't know. Um, the rest of their roster looks very similar. And yet somehow he just completely rebounded. So uh, yeah, way to go, John Gibson. Hopefully I can find some other goalie to kind of compliment him the rest of the way. Cause I'm uh, struggling past, uh, past him. <laughs> um but yeah, I think he's been the one of the big surprises for me. I thought about putting him ahead of Carter Hart, but uh, couldn't do it because I just didn't think the Ducks would be very good. I think my biggest takeaway from this, actually, like going through, look, looking at it and, and re-listening to kind of our end wrap-up is I'd actually be pretty impressed with our collective, like, you know, combined average of where we would have picked goalies as goalie projections because goalies seem to be one that's pretty hard to predict a lot of the time. And between, you know, everyone that Mason, I feel like I, we already said Mason's list is probably the, the list I would say is the best, but even with some of the guys that, you know, Dave, you and I had in there that, that Mason didn't or whatever uh, to do a combined like average list, that'd be a pretty good draft goalie draft list. My, I, I think at least myself, um, you know, we would have hit the majority of the guys that are in the top 15. So top half of the, you know, league of goalies, uh, we, we definitely kind of nailed it. Um, you know, there was a couple, couple misses on a few of those guys for sure, but, uh, overall it's a, it's a pretty good list. I'm pretty impressed with what we put together. Yeah. And, uh, Mason mentioned in the chat. And so, yeah, we'd be remiss to not mention, uh, Jari in the, uh, goalies here, which, uh, taking a look at spreadsheet now. Yeah. Second, Second overall in points, a uh, little bit less than average, but yeah, obviously goaltenders is all about that bulk. Uh, the, the more bulk starts you can get, the better. And again, like, obviously I'm a Penguins fan. And so like, how come I didn't predict this kind of thing? Listen, Jari has always been a streaky goalie. And after his playoff performance, it was, he was obviously going to get, a a extended look at the start of the season but there was a very good chance if he did not start out hot that this they were they might have traded uh for a goalie right away they may have just uh rode out to smith for a long time uh there was a lot of different things that could have happened and so I do not regret <laughs> keeping Jari outside of my top 10. Uh, if you had him, congrats. Um, he probably would be a good sell high at this point, but at, at the same time, it's like, it's hard to trade for goalies. Like it really is like, cause it, it, it's so unique, like getting a goalie, um, you kind of have to trade for like a goalie for a different position, like a goalie for a defender or a goalie for if you've got too many uh, centers or something like that. It's hard to trade like, um, you know, a flurry for a Demko or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I don't regret Jari. Um, I guess any, yeah, any other uh, final words on uh, goaltenders before we get into, I guess, altogether closing final thoughts? Yeah, just um, touching on PJ being sad you uh, looped Bennington into your top 10. <laughs> I was feeling bad at the start of the season for not having him in my top 10, letting personal bias get in the way. But I think the problem is, like, we had St. Louis Blues as 
honorable mentions in every single category and you just should have left him as an honorable mention. And yeah. if you notice, we haven't <laughs> talked about a single St. Louis blue tonight because they all stayed outside of the top 10. None of them. I mean, Tarasenko rose up from like being way, like he's back from the dead, but he, he was uh, my honorable <laughs> mention in right wingers and you guys poo pooed me. <laughs> we all poo pooed each other for each different position, and yeah, yeah. I guess the Tarasenko one was the only one that was good because Baron has not been very good. Buchnevich has been okay, but not like I don't know if it was on, quite honorable mention where the Bennington has been good and then really bad. And <laughs> it's just funny looking back at all the different blues that we left out, and uh, it's a good thing we left them out. Absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, let's just get into any other uh, kind of final thoughts we have on our uh, looking back at our preseason top tens and maybe uh, how we can look at them going into the rest of the season. And also, uh, I know for me, I kind of had some general thoughts and that was for um, defenders in particular, when I was kind of looking back at this exercise, I was kind of like, yeah, that position more than ever is kind of worth the price to pay. Obviously, a price over rep- replacement, but just that, I don't know, that's kind of like the easiest uh, position where there's like, there's a couple surprise names in there, of course, but there's just, no, it's really hard for like uh, that top defensive talent to be knocked off unless. And, but when it does happen to like someone who just all of a sudden loses their power play time, like it's absolutely devastating. So um, it, I think it, but I think that the, uh, I think the risk is minimal, like for that to happen to Chikrin or someone else that we had ranked inside our top 10 D's. Um, I think it's worth the risk to kind of invest that draft capital because uh, odds are if you're drafting a defender that high, he will uh, produce for you that high. So it's kind of like a, an ant, like if you're trying your best to have a pick that won't be a bust, drafting a, 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 a good name defender high is never a bad choice. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, ranking goalies. Um, obviously, this exercise was a little bit different for us just because the cupful was kind of like changing their format while we were doing this so obviously if we were to redo this now obviously we've all had like a half a season of uh playing so we know kind of the at least a little bit better of the the proper strategy to go after goalies but i definitely wouldn't um rely just on teams like just rely on good teams that uh we're gonna get like the team those extra points for wins and stuff like that um and, and the goalies that are truly 50-50, um, like having kind of Varlamov and even Grubauer to an extent, I kind of knew, well, actually he's been not really 50-50 at all, but I thought that he might be a 50-50. Um, those goalies really aren't worth rostering at all and stuff like that. But um, yeah, to me, the goalies have been, like once again, proven that, uh, you know, don't draft a high, high draft pick on just because they are so variant and um and probably you know for the for the skaters um other than centers because i thought centers was like uh the top 10 was pretty pretty set in stone with a couple of different names but like for left wingers and right wingers if your list is looking a little bit too similar to everyone else's 
throw in some random, some more random stuff in there because something's bound to happen. <laughs> and uh, you just got to create a little bit more randomness, I think. But um, looking back, like I'm, tr- I'm trying to find some, some threads and some lesson here. And to be honest, I think my lists were very conservative uh, overall, but I would just go even more conservative. Um, I'm looking at like my goalies. I just targeted volume and like all the volume guys are doing great. Um, defense, like I went for peripherals, like obviously Chikrin didn't work out, but you look at the guys that did jump up into the top 10 with Truba, Uyghur, Burns, like those guys are all very heavy on peripherals. And, um, you know, all it takes is for some points to go your way to end up in the top 10. Um, and then for forwards, I think just sticking with guys who aren't line dependent, like I'm looking at any, any buff, uh, any, uh, kind of whiffs that I had. And I mean, we said Reinhardt's like pretty much top 10, but that's, that's worrisome. And it wasn't a guarantee at the start of the year, he would stick with Barkoff. I took the swing and it kind of worked, but, uh, yeah, like I said, if I were redoing this, I'd pick someone safer, um, than him and Besser, um, yeah, I think I think Svechnikov fits that too. Even though I'm still pretty confident in him the rest of the year, like I'd probably like Dave, you and Kaprizov. Um, it doesn't matter who Kaprizov plays with. <laughs> we know that more now than we did the start of the season. But still, um, I think I would aim for those kind of guys. Um, if I had been more conservative with the lines um, for my forwards, and then um, yeah, just aiming for peripherals and starts uh, with my D and goalies respectively, I think my list would have been a bit better. Are you Peach? Yeah, to touch on a couple of your guys' points, I was going to say almost the exact same thing with D Mason, and it's a way that I like. It's the same reason I had Petrie in my D list is perifs is kind of what I target for D's because then you at least have that floor in you know especially in a couple where you get a bit of points for a hit a block and a shot and then once those points come it does so yeah unfortunately Petrie you know was my biggest miss on this one but he was a guy who was notoriously pretty decent perifs and same with Chikrin that's kind of what I was looking at for those guys um you know things didn't go that way with them but I also look at a lot of the other guys even the guys you mentioned and even some of the guys just just outside of them it's a lot of perif d that are like doing well and that's almost the one thing i took out of it is you can find value in d a little later um you know there's some high-end guys that i do like to target and i do try and get a d in my first you know somewhere between the like third or fourth round is usually where i go uh depending on where i am in the draft sometimes if i'm you know, a later first round draft and I have it something turn and I have one of those like top line or like top overall D I've have done that in the past. I was pretty happy to get Yossi in the third round for a few. Um, so D is the one that I think as much as the list had a couple misses on it, I was pretty confident with a lot of those guys. And even some of the ones that are sitting slightly out right now, I think can finish pretty, pretty, um, you know, close to the top 10, if not in the top 10, but I also think D is an interesting one. And I think we talked about it originally that there is that value in that like hundred kind of overall realm where you can almost like take one high end D and then wait till there and like find some of these guys that have perifs um, that could do pretty well. And I, I think we talked about that, you know, decent amount, um, even, you know, not necessarily just the perif guys. We even talked about Darlene at that hundredth overall when we were first chatting about him. and, you know, he's done better, but uh, I kind of look at those perif ones 
for the forwards, I agree. Centerman, the top 10, you know, it's, it's almost just like guaranteed who those top 10 are going to be, or at least averaging injuries are really the only thing that stands in the way. Um, and then wingers, uh, I think saying that you don't want to go with line dependent guys is the, the best way to do it. Don't necessarily, you know, look for a guy who's going to be riding shotgun with, you know, Crosby or McDavid or whatever, like always. But then if you see a guy who can like drive the play, like Gensel arguably is like the best player on uh, Pittsburgh. Most of the time he's, he's looking great out there as, as amazing as Crosby and Malkin are, uh, you know, they're a bit later into their careers and, and, you know, Gensel can drive the play even without those guys in the lineup. And we, we saw that at the beginning of the season still, you know, with those guys out. Um, So looking for some of those guys is a great pick. Um, And then I think overall goalies, I mentioned it. I thought our list was pretty good. And I I think Mason had the right idea. You look for volume. um, And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed with our goalies list. If you combine it all goalies are ones that are hard to predict. I listened to a lot of podcasts that, struggle and then the next year they just say when we were completely off with our goalies and so far we had you know more than half of the goalies mentioned between all three of us are like in the top 15 so um, I'm pretty happy with with that Uh, looking at volume hoping that those guys keep the starting job like you said Bennington he started out pretty strong I wasn't disappointed with where I had him ranked originally and then it kind of like fell apart um, so, you know, guys can lose that, lose their starting position or starting role. And, um, that's unfortunate, but I don't know. I think there's a, enough there that, uh, you can go with and, and try and make some pretty good decisions. But I think the takeaway with goalies is just don't draft them early, wait a little bit later and, and see what you can get for value a little bit later. Uh, cause you never know. Some of those guys might end up jumping up and finishing first overall. Yeah. And for me, another thing, as I'm just kind of glancing over this, um, and uh, Mason kind of mentioned about like just general thoughts that I know I, I tell myself every year uh, that he was talking about being just conservative and especially in like uh, snake drafts when it's just like you're between a few guys and it's just like, all right, well, who's got like the highest floor essentially. Um, that's generally like the best route to go. Who was the, who was the best chance of like returning to me, um, you know, at least third round talent or whatever round you're drafting in and stuff like that. But um, again, um, it, well, another thing that I was looking at here, whenever, um, always try to be conservative. And then uh, if you, if I have an older guy, not come in, it's kind of a question as to, um, is he getting too old? Eh, I don't know. He's right on the edge, maybe in another year or so. If I have those guys around eight to 10, probably they're not going to pan out, uh, apparently, or at least not perform as high as I'd probably like them to. Um, and then just in general, um, throughout my top 10, um, if the names look a little bit too familiar, there's something wrong and odds are 30% of those, uh, or three of those 10 or 30% of those picks are going to be bad. So uh, maybe try and uh, mix it up a little bit to spice it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, did you guys have anything else on anything yet? Or okay, uh, Peach first. I saw his answers. Uh, the last thing I that just came to me that I meant to mention as well is the one thing I learned, especially with us talking about the guys like the Timo Myers and and stuff like that, is how important it is to not just look at last year's rankings. Uh, you know, I know Mason and myself 
do that quite often. Uh, and yeah, you still are going to miss some guys, but it just shows that importance of looking at like past three years or maybe even four years and doing averaging out of that. Uh, if, you know, if you have that time to, to put in the investment before you draft, you're going to find some of these like guys that are falling down on other people's rankings might pop up a little bit higher and you'll probably still get them at a value position. Like if I had done probably the past four years uh, with Timo Meyer instead of, I think I did three for most of my guys in my rankings this year, I might've had him bump up a little bit more and I might've had him on some of my teams this year, but I had him kind of lower cause I only used his, you know, past three and the past two were so rough that it didn't like bump them up in there. So um, I would just say there is definitely value when you're building your, your draft list of looking at past years and then taking averages of those. And, and I know some of them do weighted averages of like, you know, you're weighing the most recent year heavier than the last one. And I'm not saying that's not the right way to do it, but I just say, make sure you're adding some of those past seasons harder to do, obviously with some of these guys that have only been in the league for say two to three years, um, you know, rookies, you know, obviously you'll not have anything, but like, you know, just trying to trying to do it and trying to rank that way of, of looking at some of those past seasons. Uh, I, I think that's the one thing I took away from this, from my drafts this year is I maybe relied too much on just the past three years and knowing that the, you know, past this year and last were like COVID stricken seasons that it weren't even full season. So there was probably even more value to go past one more year and add that to my rankings. And I, I, in hindsight, I probably should have done that. Yeah, apparently maybe not even taking a three-year average. Just look back. Who was good three years ago? They're going to be amazing this year, judging by uh, most of the players we've talked about. Bobrovsky is another one. Just terrible the last two years and then um, just great again this year. Um, And the last thing I wanted to add, um, even with the being conservative, is uh, for skaters, just pick players on good teams. (laughs) Like I'm looking through at all of our busts and – like we got Sagan and Shifley for centers. Um, let's see here. Besser, uh, Wheeler, Ehlers. Um, yeah, even if you want to include Brady Kachuk as a bust, we can do that. Um, Chikrin, Petrie, Barry. Uh, all of these guys are on teams that are currently in the bottom half of their um, conferences. I know. The Oilers have a few games in hand, PJ, don't worry. But um, yeah, like, and and obviously we didn't know which which teams were going to be in the playoffs and which were going to be out at this point of the year, but, or when you were drafting compared to now. But I think if you're just, if you're looking at two players that are pretty close to each other, just pick the player on the better team. Um, Even if the other person ends up ahead, you've got the safer player because there's just more to go around. And um, looking at all of our lists, like pretty much every single bust is on the bottom half team. Um, So, yeah, that's just something to uh, look out for moving forward, I think. I think the last thing, and this is, uh, you know, probably a little bit of a slight on my Oilers, Mason. So this will be in that is... Um, you know, don't always draft with your heart or anything like that too, or and don't get too many guys from the same team because I know I have a couple of my teams where I have, you know, Pooley RV nurse and like maybe one other oiler or something. And it starts looking pretty heavy when all of a sudden the schedule doesn't look that great for that week or the whole team goes in a slump for a while. Um, same with like Philly, you know, Philly had a okay start and then they went through a pretty 
brutal slump. And I know lots of the teams that were like doing pretty well that had like a lot of Philly players, all of a sudden it's like, you can't win a week for like two or three weeks in a row. So it's something that's not new advice, but definitely, you know, as much as I love my Oilers, I probably should spread that out a little bit more and, and not always be trying to go for them. Um, although when the Oilers are going hot, they also helped me win a bunch of weeks at the very beginning when they were killing it. So it's, you know, it's a balance, but just don't get too heavy onto one team. I, I've always tried to like spread it out around. Uh, I drafted a dynasty team with, with our buddy Braden the one time. And I think that was the best like thing that could happen is like drafting a team with a co-manager who like doesn't like Oilers and me, who's like not that hot on Canucks. And it made us just like have this very like diverse team throughout the the whole league. And we still have a couple of Oilers and a couple of Canucks on there that we both agreed on, but it made us pick like this really good diverse team. So every week, no matter what the schedule is, you're going to have some games played um, and not have one of those weeks where like your team randomly has one game played that week and then only two the next week. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm losing the next two weeks for sure. All right. And so there we have it. That's it. Good luck to everyone this week. Feel free to hit me up on the Keeping Carlson Patron Discord server. Check out the Stream Scheme channel over there. Or you can find me on Twitter at NHL Stream Scheme. Make sure to follow our cousins, Ben and Lewis, at Short Shifts. And obviously at Keeping Carlson. And tune into their Megapod every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And don't forget, if you want the picks sent to you before noon, guaranteed every Sunday, hours before the show comes out, you can sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash NHL Stream Scheme, where it's just $1 a month or $0.25 an episode for that. Or if you just want to show your support for the show through that, it's very greatly appreciated. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget what the great Jordan Bennington once said. The future belongs to those who believe in their streets. See ya.